Amen, amen. So this is part two of a series of messages we are calling Our House, God's House. Our House, God's House. We unpacked it a little bit last week, challenging each other to make gathering important, which has been a challenge, hasn't it? But we're shifting something, which is really, really good. And this whole dynamic about your life is important, building your life i.e. your house, but not excluding the, the importance of building God's house. And there's this tension and, and, and this idea of getting things in balance, and we talked about it last week. One of the words I like is flow. Um, those of you who like to watch my little two or three minute encouragements during the week, next week I'm going to be talking about flow, and you'll see that. Often in church life we talk about fit. Oh, I don't know if I fit. I don't know if I fit with this group of people. I don't know if I fit in here. And that's okay, and that's decent language. But the thing about fitting, it has to be static. Something is still, and you can fit in. But if something is moving, you can't fit into it. You have to flow with it. And who knows God's on the move? Who knows the kingdom of God is always advancing? And if we're going to be the church he's called us to be, we have to advance with him. So I want to encourage your language to shift from fitting in and to start shifting it towards flowing with what God's doing. I know it's a little thing, but if it gets in your head, it's helpful to move forward. We want to flow with what God's doing in our time, don't we, church? So let's not fit in. Let's flow with what God's doing. Let's start here in this verse in John chapter 14 and verse 2. It says this, Jesus speaking. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? How awesome is this? Now, this is in the context of Jesus beginning to unpack to his disciples that I'm about to go. And despite the fact he's told them lots of stuff in the past, they, it hadn't sunk in properly. And he's saying, I'm going to go, but it's good I go, because I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, because my father's place, house has many rooms, and one of them's going to be perfect for you. Who knows that's going to be awesome? Who knows that, you know, we can't even imagine or think how good that's going to be. But God knows you perfectly and he knows what you're looking for in that time. And he's there preparing that place for you right now. And so there's this idea of if you believe that to be true, there should never be a place of fear in your life. Because Apostle Paul said, didn't he, you know, to live is Christ. I get an opportunity every day of my life to show someone Jesus. But to die is gain because I'm going to the place he prepared for me. So I can't lose. And ultimately, all fear is rooted in death. When you unpack it and pull it down to the, to the lowest common denominator, it's about fear of dying. And yet, as a Christian, we should never fear that. Why? Because if I get to live, I'm living for Jesus. We're building a great church. We're growing families. We're doing some great stuff here on earth. But if I was to pass away, I'm going to the place that Jesus prepared for me. And it's going to be epic. I win. Whatever happens. So I will fear nothing. Come on, get it in your spirit right now. Come on, where's the fear in your life? Get it out there because God's preparing a place for you. And it's going to be a good place. He has a house of many rooms. Here's the truth, and I think we need to grab hold of this church, and it's a truth we know, it's not a truth we talk about. If that is true, that Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven, the flip side of the coin is also true. There is a place called hell that's prepared for those who don't know him. And I don't think you can scare people into hell. I don't think that's how it works. But what you can do is inspire people to get to know Jesus. This is what Jesus said, John 14, 6, one of the most famous things he said. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way into heaven. He's the only way. You know, some people say, yeah, but I'm nice and I'm kind. Yeah, but that's not the way. The way is Jesus and he's the only way. So I say, if we believe there's a place being prepared for people, how about we live so passionately and so compellingly that everyone who you love and care for sees that and goes, I want a bit of that. 
because there's a place being prepared for me. There's a place being prepared for you. There's a place being prepared for your loved one. There's a place being prepared for your work colleague. But the way into that place is through a relationship with Jesus. My heart is just being compelled to say, use me to reveal Jesus to someone. Imagine we all did that. Genuinely all did that. Let's play our part in populating heaven. Because there's a place prepared for everyone who you love and care for. And the thing is, when Jesus speaks, there's often so many layers. You know, you unpack all of his parables, there's layers. For instance, the parable of the mustard seed. You know, he talks about, it's the smallest seed, but when it's planted in the ground, it just flourishes and grows into this big leafy plant. And the idea is there that if you're the mustard seed and your faith is planted in the ground, you're going to flourish. It's about you. You flourish as you you walk in the kingdom, as you sow into Jesus, and as as he waters that, you grow. But then it says the leaves are so big that the birds can perch underneath and get shade. So in you flourishing, someone else flourishes. So there's this layer of it's about you, but it's not about you. Can you see the layers when Jesus ever talks? I love this idea that you are saved and you are being saved. You see, there is a moment in time when you connect with Jesus and say, yes, I get it, you are welcome in my heart. At that point, you step out of darkness and into light. You're saved. You step out of the kingdom of this world and into the kingdom of heaven. You're saved. It's a moment in time where you decide to let Jesus in and you're saved. But at the same time, who of us here is the complete version of Jesus? I thought someone's going to put their hand up for a second there. (laughs) Uncle Dan went like that after a second. None of us. Why? Because we're being saved. Hopefully, this time next year, you won't be dealing with the same issues in yourself that you're dealing with today. You'll be kinder. You'll be more generous. Your faith will have got bigger and advanced. You know, there's things that you're being saved. You're not the same as you were. You are saved and you're being saved. Can you see these layers? It's all through his teaching. You know, Jesus says in John 10, 10, I came that you'd have the fullest life. And he wants us to have the fullest life. But who knows the reality is you'll never experience the fullest life until our enemy is destroyed. Because otherwise there's always a challenge to your fullest life. And so when the enemy is destroyed, it's right there we will experience the fullness of life. But Jesus is calling us to live the fullest life now. And there's these layers in everything he talks about. And it's true in terms of the house. I go to my father's house. There's many rooms. I'm building a place for you. But who knows, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which means you're a house right now. You're a room right now. And as the church gathers together, we are, in effect, a bunch of rooms coming together. And we are the house. So what is true for eternity in heaven, the church gets to demonstrate in measure right now on earth. You are the house of God. Have a little look around at the rooms around you. Brilliant, brilliant rooms of all these amazing people are the house of God. So when we gather together, we are a picture of heaven. Many rooms coming together. The passionate church. I love this here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Can you see it here? We have this opportunity in our time on the back of all the confusion and pain and hurt that the pandemic has brought. We have this opportunity to say, God, use me to build a spiritual house. 
People are looking for answers. People are looking for something they're not finding anywhere else. And I believe the answer is right here. And as we come together, we form the house of God. And it's a declaration of what heaven will look like somewhere later. You know, people are looking for something. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could continually be saved, be a better version of ourselves, so the part we play in God's house is even better. So when someone comes looking, they're going to find a place of love. They're going to find a place of acceptance. They're going to find a place of healing. And then there's this also side of it, a place of power a place of authority, a place where genuine peace reigns. That is the opportunity we have, church. And I love the way the worship and the, and the words went there because it's like, do we want that or don't we? We can play at it, we can sing the songs and pray our little prayers, or we can say, God, genuinely let me play my part. I think I'm more excited than you guys. <laughs> Come on. We have this opportunity to be the very house of God. And declare something of heaven and earth right now. So that when your friend who you've been praying for comes to check out church, it's like, wow, something, there's just something here. And they might not be able to put their finger on it right away, but it's the Holy Spirit touching them. Why? Because a bunch of people got together and played their small part in God's big picture. We were the house of God. Let me be the building block you require in your house. Could that be one of your prayers? When you look at the story of Nehemiah and Ezra, and there's some debate whether Nehemiah was never supposed to be the title of the book. It was Ezra 1 and Ezra 2 originally, but it's, it's Nehemiah and Ezra. And Nehemiah is to build the wall that goes around the city and protects the temple. And Ezra builds the temple and puts it all back together. And there's the, the, the two work together because the wall is there to protect the temple. But there's no point in protecting the temple if the temple's not existing and praise is going up. So there's these two things working in in tandem together, and they're both so, so important. And I want to read you a couple of things which I hope inspire you as we look at playing our part in God's house. Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says this. I think there might be some really dodgy names in this, so bear with me. Elishiab, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, told you there's some dodgy names, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabalah, made repairs. Uh, and next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made some repairs. I love this picture. So you see, there is a mission at hand. There is a job to do. We are protecting the temple. You can't do it on your own. So what do they do? They stand next to each other. I can go this far. This is what I've got in me. I'm going to do my best, but I can go this far. That's okay, because where you can't get to, I'm going to get to. And I'm going to go this far. And actually, I've got some friends, and they're over there, and they can go that far. And what happens is as people stand together, mission happens. The job is completed. Come on, we're talking about a color party. We'll be talking about other things later in the year. Come on, as we stand together, mission flows. The job is completed. We, not me, we are the house of God you've all got a part to play will you is my question come on I hope I'm stirring you up a little bit when we come together 
the job gets done. I, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, it just gives us an overview. I wonder what the conversations were like. You know, I've just got this picture in my mind of, you know, the men of Jericho. It's a building site. Has anyone, give me a rave of hands, you've been on a building site or worked on a building site. Some of you might have. Banter flows. And why would it have been any different? Bunch of guys doing the job. I'm just picturing the men of Jericho, you know, talking with Zakur, son of Imri. <laughs> hey, Zakur, what? You missed a bit. <laughs> And Zakur's going back, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you go to the stock room? Because I need a long wait. Anyone had that one before? <laughs> you know, my dad told me this one years ago when he was on a building site. You know, the apprentice would come in. And because he was the apprentice and he was probably about 16 years old and, you know, desperately trying to fit in and all these big builders have been on the game for years and it's like, oh, what do I need to do? And they'd go, go to the stock room and ask for a long wait. And so we'd go to the stock room and the, the guy there would say, what do you need? I need a long wait. And he'd go, okay, son. Half an hour went past. An hour went past. He's feeling, what do I do? Have you got that bit of you? He said, you've had it. What do you mean? Well, you've had a long wait. And so, you know, go on like this. Yeah. All I know is this. I'm glad that me and you aren't Malkishar. Nehemiah, chapter 3, verse 14. The dung gate was repaired by Malkishar. No one wants that job. I don't know what that even looks like, but I'm wearing a peg. <laughs> but if God asked you, would you? Would you do the dirty, stinking job if it got the job done? Would you have it in your heart to say, not what I want, but what you want? Would you have it in your heart to say, whatever it takes? Would you have it in your heart to say, I want to see my family saved, and if that means doing something stinky, I'm up for doing something stinky. Maybe actually it's better to be this guy than all the other guys. I don't know, but I just want to keep stirring you to say, will you play your part? Because this place cannot stay the same if we play our part. This uh, state cannot stay the same if we play our part. The world cannot stay the same if the church steps up and plays its part. And we can only do our little bit. But will you do your little bit? Come on, there must be an amen somewhere in the house. But here's the truth, and you will know this. If ever you're going to do something for God, there is always, always opposition. Anyone experience some opposition when you're trying to do the right thing before God? There's always opposition, always. And it's true for these guys here. Nehemiah in chapter 4, I'm going to read 7 and 9 and then 16 and 17. It says this. When Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. I love that. The gaps were being closed. Come on, picture it. They were very angry. I want to, I want to be a church that's making the enemy angry. I want to be a church that's seen the gaps being closed and missions happening. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. That's a picture right there, isn't it? How many times do we try and do something good for God? And the enemy comes in and whispers something. And all it does is just stirs up trouble. Because we're people being saved. And we get opinionated and we get irate and we get angry and we get hurt and we get rejected and all these things happen. And the enemy's going, ah, oh, you didn't fill your gap. How about we get past of all of that and just say, I'm just going to fill my gap. Because someone's going to get saved because I'm going to get past my stuff, do the stinky bit and do my job. Your friend could be saved because you did that. 
They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Come on, church, listen to this. Listen to this. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Come on, where's the starting point when trouble comes? But we prayed. Come on, but we prayed. Come on, is there a praying person inside of you somewhere? Come on, church, we don't want to play this anymore. Come on, when trouble comes, I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to pray. Because someone needs me to. Someone is desperate for a family member to be saved in this room. Maybe you're the person who's going to fill that gap. And you don't know it yet. But you're all offended over here because of something someone did or said or didn't do or didn't say. And you're offended over here. And the gap is there. And that person is saying, God save my mum. God save my mum. God save my mum. And God saying, I want to save your mum. But this person's still offended. And if they'd only get over themselves and do the stinky bit and fill their gap, there would be flow. Come on, we've all got our part to play. Will you play your part? I love this. This gets really good. They posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. That is really cool. That is really cool. I'm not going to, there is a threat coming. It's a threat to my life, in fact. But you know what? I'm not going to stop working. I'm actually just going to hold my spear and ready. I'm working and I'm fighting. You're not going to have me. I'm working and I'm fighting. I'm not going to give up. This gap is being closed. I'm working and I'm fighting. You know, you can try and come against me and my family, but we're working and we're fighting. And the great thing is we're doing it alongside each other. And as we look, the walls are starting to close up. The protection is coming. The house is about to go off and explode in praise. Why? Because we did it together when the attack came we just said we're ready to pray and we're ready to fight I love that it just conjures up images for me of us getting to know each other so well and we know each other well lots of pockets know each other well imagine we could better at that we talked last week didn't we about being a community of love and what that really looks like not just on a Sunday saying oh a little hug how you been love you that is good but what about how are you on Tuesday? How are you on Thursday when you're up against it? How is it when that bill came in and I'm struggling to pay it? How is it when I, I'm desperate just for a night off and I could do with a babysitter? Practical ways where we could do life together and love each other. So when the enemy comes with his little threats, we're like, no, 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 no. I know this guy. I know that girl. I know that family. We stand together and we're going to build with one hand and fight with the other. Now back off. Come on, we're not just called to be a hospital, although we are. We're called to be a warrior place. We're called to war. We're called to take ground. And sometimes you have the press into it. You know, I love that idea that we come together and, and you're going to say, you know, I'll stand with my brother right here and there's no accusations coming against him because I've got his back. No, no, no spirit of fear can have him. I've got his back. You know, no, no health issue can have him because I've got his back. We stand together, we pray together, we fight together, we build together. Mockery can't have you. Oh, you go to church? Yes, I do. It's the best place in the world and I'd love to see you there. Because for so long, young people in particular have backed off with mockery. They can't have our young kids anymore. Why? Because we're going to pray and we're going to fight for them. 
I know you might have heard some of the stories about Revolution Tour. Our youth group is called Revolution Youth. And it started out in New Zealand. And, and they just gathered the young people and said, Would you, do you care enough to pray for your school? And do you know what? There are thousands, I'm not exaggerating, thousands of kids who get to their school one hour early. An hour early for school. And they stand outside and they pray. And they are seeing by the thousand their friends come to Jesus. It's just like, but it, it would take a parent, or it would take an adult, or it would take an inspirational figure to say, come on, we'll help you. We'll do this. We'll stir up that passion. Is there a gap somewhere in our community that is stopping our young people from stepping up and being the people they're called to be? If we could fill the gaps, what could come? Come on, no one's going to have you. No spirit's going to have you. No fear's going to have you. Why? Because we will stand together and pray and build. You know, if we get back to this whole idea of rooms... Um, you may have seen my awesome wife, Sarah, through lockdown, pretty much demolished and rebuilt our house from the inside out. She loves to do a room, knock a wall down and create a bigger room out of two rooms, this kind of stuff. Um, but she loves it and she thrives. And then when people are visiting, oh, it looks so different. But there's, there's different rooms, isn't there? You know, we know that in the bedroom it's a place of rest and recuperation, and so therefore you kit it out accordingly. The kitchen is a place of life and cooking and stuff, and so you kit it out accordingly. The bathroom, all these things, it's got a purpose, and it's the same in the house of God. Here's the thing, I think so often we all try to be replicas of someone else, whereas actually it's a house of many rooms. Maybe you look at me and I'm, I don't know what, I am the shed. I'm the shed. I aimed low there. I aimed low. I'm the shed. And you start thinking, oh, Pastor Barry, he's the leader of our church. We're all called to be sheds. Well, then we'd be this massive bunch of sheds. <laughs> Who's coming to that? Maybe you're called to be the lounge. And I love the idea of the lounge because the lounge is where people sit and unpack life. Maybe you've got the heart of a pastor in there somewhere. And actually your role is to sit in a front room with someone and say, how are you? You know, maybe you're, you're a teacher or, or, or maybe, you know, in terms of spiritual gift, maybe that there's prophecy to, to let out, there's, there's healing to be done, there's evangelism to go forth. I'm looking at these as if they're rooms. You aren't called to be me and I aren't called to be you and you're not even called to be the person next to you. And husbands and wives, you're not called to be each other. Be at one, but you, could, you know, my wife Sarah stands on stage and sings, you'd never want me to do that. I promise you. <laughs> Always a worry when that gets the biggest amen in the house. <laughs> but let's be together and work together, but fulfill our purpose because you're a room. You're a room in the house, and we need you. Listen, we need you to flow. If you do your bit and the person that does their bit, we have this house which flows. I want to keep asking you the question will you play your part? Because when you play your part, I promise you with some authority, God's going to move. Because he'll look down and go, I can use that. I can use that attitude. I knew I gifted them there. Now they're stepping into it. They've stopped trying to be someone else. And actually, they can flourish just because that's what I put in them from the start. Could we start looking at each other and encouraging each other and say, there's something in you. You've been doing this. Have you thought about doing that? Well, I've always wanted to do that, but I never thought it would work. I love it. Were you here the week when we showed the, the, um, the little sort of sketch where Jesus held back the things that came at that young girl? And one of the ladies in the church came up to me. She said, I used to do drama in my previous church. Well, we haven't got a drama group in this church. How good would it be if she just went, I'll do it. Maybe that's a room we haven't got and we need. And I don't know, I'm going to be the pastor who says, yes. Go on then. Do it. 
the, the awesome Azalea and Azella just signed up to be street pastors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe they're the first ones in our expression of church to join in like that. But it's another room. And they want to do it and they're going to thrive in doing it. My point is this. What's in your heart? Stop trying to be me or the person next to you or someone else. What are you flowing? Because that's where we want to position you. There are rooms that have been untouched. And we need to start opening the door and saying, what's God going to do in here? You've got a place to flow. You've got a place to flow. I love the idea that the house of God is a creative house. If we're going to reflect the Father... He created all that we see around us. He's not short on ideas, and neither are you. What ideas have you got? I love, you know, is it to write music? Is it to do art and crafts and, 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 and just express yourself in that way? Is it, is it teaching? I, I don't know what it is. There's students to support. They're going to be on their way back soon. Are you the person to stand with the students? We've got some of our old students here in the front row. Round of applause for these guys. Could you be someone who stands along and someone who's going to change the world in the future? You know, we've got children to, to love and we've got marriages to support. You know, marriages have often been doing this and actually here we are. Maybe you're the room in the house of God which is going to heal marriages. But my point is this, it's a big house. It's many rooms and there's a place for you. You belong. You belong. As I wrote this, you know, I, I had a bit of a moment. And I, I'm not going to try and, I'm just going to read what I wrote. And I hope this helps someone. As a pastor and someone representing leadership, can I acknowledge anyone who has stepped out in the past, either in this church or another church, and not been backed? Someone who's stepped up and been dismissed or not been heard. Can I say sorry? If it was me or another leader, can I say sorry? If it was a leader from another church, can I stand in the gap as a leader representing leadership and say sorry? If you got squashed because God needs you to flow, the church needs you to flow, the people in this community need you to flow. And it might be something from your past that's holding you back and you said, I tried that and I just got squashed and I can't go through that pain again and I'm sorry that you went through that pain, but we need you. We need you to flow. We need each other. Without you flowing, there's a gap in the wall and someone will do their best to fill that gap, but I promise you they're going to get stressed because they're filling a gap that was made for you. And some hurt from the past is stopping you from stepping up in there. Could today be a new day for you? Where you say, okay, God, I was deeply wounded. And if I'm brutally honest with myself, I've never come out of it. But is today the day you say, Lord, I'm just going to let it go as best as I'm able. Can you help me with this? But I want to flow with you again. Because you could be the room that's missing, that unlocks something for this school, for this estate, for our town. Come on, let's get big vision. I love that God's put us here in some little mission field, but let's get big vision. You know, let's get global, going, going off to Budapest. Maybe there's something in you. Can I encourage you to let it go as best as you're able? We need a house of many rooms and where we can flow together. There is someone who would love to stand next to you as you build together, but they're doing it on their own right now because you should be next to them. I don't know if that's helpful to someone, and I'm, I'm going to pray right now because I think I can sense it. Father God, for everyone who's in this room who has been squashed in the past, I just lift them up to you. And, and as a pastor and a leader, I say sorry. Stand in the gap. 
But I ask, Lord God, that you would bring healing right now, as only you can. That people would be able to just get it off their shoulders, that it would be a weight lifted off them. And you could re-envision them. You could empower them afresh. You could take them to new levels. You could get that creativity going again, that, that heartbeat for your kingdom going again, that heartbeat for people, that heartbeat for your church. Stir it up again, I pray. So I speak healing to you in Jesus' name. I speak life to you in Jesus' name. I speak hope to you in Jesus' name. You are here on purpose and with a purpose, and it's never been any different. God bless you. All God's people said. One of the values that we have in this expression of the house is excellence. And I know there's lots of debate around that. But I just want to unpack it for you a little bit, just so you can hear my heart and where we're coming from. And I want to use this passage in 1 Kings. And this is where there is King Solomon, wealthiest guy on the planet, wisest guy on the planet. And he has an encounter with the Queen of Sheba, wealthiest woman on the planet, wisest woman on the planet. And she's coming to check out what is going on. And this is what happens in 1 Kings in chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Brilliant. She came to Jerusalem with a great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba has seen all of the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and the entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And that phrase at the end, there was no more spirit in her, the word spirit there is actually breath. It took her breath away. You see, when she came with all her hard questions, and who's got friends who come to them with all the hard questions about Jesus, faith, you know, this kind of stuff. There's hard questions out there. But when Queen of Sheba came to the house of God that Solomon had built, and she saw the excellence, the fight left her. Her breath was taken away. And you see, I believe that God uses excellence because it knocks people back. And they're like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yes, we need good answers. Yes, we need to be able to engage. But there's something about excellence that people don't expect. Now, hear me. Excellence isn't perfection, as we've seen this morning. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is doing the very best you can within the criteria you have in front of you. You see, you could have, you know, you could have a Rolls Royce on your drive. Drive it all year and never wash it, and it would look cruddy. Or you could have the same Rolls Royce and look after it so that when people see you driving, they oh, oh, lovely car. But it's the way you, it's the same situation, but it was your attitude towards it. And so what we like to do in this expression of the church is here we are in a school hall. We'll have some, some um, refreshments afterwards. And what we do is we just do our best. And it's our way of doing excellence. We try to get the sound right. We try to have good graphics. We try to preach well. If we're going to sing, we sing well. If we're going to play an instrument, we play an instrument well. If we're going to have coffee, we're going to have good coffee. I hope we've got good coffee at the end of the guys. Now the pressure's on. 
But you will go out there and through the, you know, you'll have little small wrapped up gifts and, 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 and treats and stuff like that. Why? Because we want you to have the best time. And when your friend comes, we want them to go away, oh, that was actually really good. And what happens? They start dropping their guard. Just because we've paid some attention to little details. And they are little details. And in the overall scheme of them, maybe they, they don't add up to the whole. But I believe it makes a difference. When your friend comes in and hears our band strike up, they're like, oh, that wasn't what I thought. When your friend goes out there and has a, has a nice treat, and they're like, oh, I well, didn't expect that. When your friend gets a hug from 20 people in here because we want to be the excellent welcoming church, they're like, oh, and what happens is bit by bit, the fight goes out of them. And then they're open to the word. I believe people will bring their friends and family to a place like this, and before they've even got to the word bit, they're like, oh, look, wow. And then someone will get up and speak into their heart. And the only reason it will get there is because of the experiences beforehand. So I believe that excellence is important, but it isn't perfection. We'll never be perfect, will we? We'll keep trying our best. So if you're going to pray for someone, pray well. If you're going to host someone at your house, host them well. If you're going to play an instrument, play it well. If you're going to serve the children, serve them well. Just do your very, very best. And it adds up to a great experience where actually people with difficult questions drop their guard. And God's able to move in. So can we be people who build with care? Can we be people who build with passion? Could we be people who don't look at it and go, oh, that's okay. We don't want okay. We want our very best. Now, I've been a bit nitpicky this morning walking around the building because we've been here, I think, about 10 services now. And it's just like you have a little look around and I'm a bit of a nitpicker and I can see wires. And then we're going to look at the wires now. And we're going to work at seeing if we can hide those wires better, tidy them up better, because it's just a detail that adds up to the whole, adds up to someone's experience. And you might think, oh, that's just stupid. And maybe it is, but do you know what? I want someone to walk in and go, that was amazing. And then the word of God hits them. Maybe you pray for them. Maybe you just have a conversation with them. But their guard is dropped because we looked at the details, just like Solomon did. My understanding, if you, if you go back and look at what Solomon spent, he spent about a trillion dollars, a trillion dollars building that temple. We might go, oh, did it need to be that? But when the Queen of Sheba came, she was like, wow, takes my breath away. The fight is gone. You've got the questions. You've won me over. I want to win your friend over. I want to win your family member over. In the name of Jesus. Are you with me? So when we talk like that, this is why. But in all of this, the Father's house has many rooms. It's for then, but it's for now. And you belong here. So could I pray for you? Would you stand to your feet? Let me just invite you to close your eyes. Don't have to, no rules, but I think it's helpful just to give you a moment with God and give your person you're standing next to a moment with God. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to move around the room right now. Lord, I want to pray for people who have lost their confidence. And I want to encourage you. You have a part to play here. 
we need you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd stir those people up right now. With everything inside them to say, I'm going to go again. I'm going to try. I'm going to push the door. And Lord, I pray that when that person steps up and pushes the door, I pray it will fling open. I pray success on whatever they put their hand to. And I pray lives will be changed. speak the word freedom freedom on your gift church freedom in that area of your life you're passionate about and you felt pushed down I declare freedom to you you belong here we need you I believe most people have still got their eyes closed if you're someone today who really re relates to you, you've been hurt and actually it's, it's hindered you in this season I'd love just to pray for you just give me a raise of your hand so I know I'm praying for and I believe there's some yeah one two three four people around come on church let's just take this moment because God's doing some stuff who knows God wants his whole church free Lord I just thank you for those hands that have gone up and people acknowledging they've had a difficult time they've been hurt they've been squashed i speak healing to you guys i speak freedom to you guys here's the challenge you have to choose to let it go you have to choose to let it go and as you make that choice the Holy Spirit's going to come under you like a rushing wind and you're going to find your flow again. Health to you in Jesus' name. Freedom to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone here today, again, just as we've got our eyes closed for one more moment, is there anyone here today who doesn't feel like they're right with Jesus and would like to be right with Jesus is today the day you put that right and you pray a prayer that says you're welcome here if that's you today give me a wave because I'm going to pray with you thank you Lord thank you Jesus just by raise of hand just say I want to be right with Jesus today thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Lord mm, cool it's all good we're all there today we always want to give that opportunity though Lord, as I round this up, I pray, Father God, that you would continue to do what you're doing. You would seal in what you've already done and that people would go away enthused and, and, and ready to push, not to stand back, not to slip back into the old, but to say, I'm available to your purpose. Let me be the room you called me to be in Jesus' name.